Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash-out feature, so if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week. We are live 
on AMP. And don't forget, for those of you guys who are listening on the podcast feed or on YouTube, that the first place that you guys can get this analysis is on AMP. If you have any trouble tracking down our page, I have the link. I tweeted out before every show. You can find it on my Twitter feed. So today, we're going to have three topics. We're going to be covering the Steve Nash firing, which is obviously the biggest story of the day after the Brooklyn Nets lost again today because big shock. It turns out the coach is the least of their problems. The Golden State Warriors lost their third consecutive game, a tough one, a tough come-from-behind win for Miami to lead the Warriors to their third consecutive loss. We're going to break uh, we're going to break that game down and talk about some of their issues with their bench cropping up again. And then the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that I was very high on to start the season, started 1 and 4 but have won 3 consecutive games, so I wanted to kind of zoom in on some of the specific ways that they've been playing better basketball. So, let's start with Nash. Um I did a video earlier today. And in the video I talked about how um the the Nets were 30th in rebounding in the league and 29th in defense. And they were actually a pretty damn good offensive team. And that even though Nash may not have been the right coach for that particular team, it wasn't necessarily the issue. He wasn't the reason they were struggling. They were struggling because they weren't defending and they weren't boxing out and they weren't crashing from the wing and they weren't securing rebounds. They beat Indiana the other night and they out-rebounded Indiana. And they held them to an offensive rebound, uh, offensive rating under 105. So they got stops, they secured rebounds, and they won a basketball game. And then versus Chicago tonight, they got out-rebounded by seven, gave up 11 offensive rebounds, gave up 24 points in the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter, and blew another game at home to the Chicago Bulls. Because again, their issue is not leadership. It is the players on the floor and their will, their willingness to compete physically. It kind of reminds me a lot of the Frank Vogel situation last year with the Lakers. And uh, there's, there's some parallels there. They had a really successful season in 2020. In that season, they won the title. Frank Vogel seemed like an ideal coach for that particular team. In 2021, the Brooklyn Nets came literally an inch away from making the conference finals, probably would have beat the Hawks and made it to the NBA finals, and probably would have beat the Phoenix Suns and won the title. That's how good that team was and how close they came to the ultimate goal. And during that season, people weren't complaining about Steve Nash. He seemed fine managing the personalities. They were doing a lot of switching. Things were kind of working for that group. But then what happens, and this happens around the league, like we're going to talk about a bunch of different coaches today. We're talking about Frank, talking about Steve Nash. We're going to talk a little bit about Doc Rivers later. I am okay with the fact that the Brooklyn Nets fired Steve Nash and are looking for a different coach. I would be okay if the Philadelphia 76ers decided to move on from Doc Rivers at some point. And I supported the Lakers firing Frank Vogel. I just also was aware in all of those situations that that wasn't necessarily the only issue. I think I, I think there are specific types of players that do really well with one coach for a very long time, but there are unique personalities. There are guys like Steph Curry, right? One of the most coachable stars in NBA history or Tim Duncan with Greg Popovich. But for a lot of stars, they have big egos. They don't really necessarily think they need a coach if you give them truth serum and ask them. And in a lot of cases, they view those guys as, as much as obstacles or equal partners as they do as a leader in a lot of those cases. And I think whenever you have a person like that in that type of position and they are constantly 
being hard on you and, and holding you accountable and doing those things, it can burn you out. And I don't think that's unique to NBA players. I think that can happen to anybody, just like us in our jobs. If you get to a point where you have the same boss for a long time, you become hyper-focused on their quirks and you become really uh, like almost oblivious to the things that they do well, because just over the years, you've learned to kind of hyper-focus on the things you don't like about them. I think that's normal. And so I think it's okay every once in a while, especially in professional basketball, when you're dealing with these types of egos to bring in a different voice into the locker room. And it works. Like, guess what? Like, Darvin Ham has come in with the Lakers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis have rebought into the defensive end of the floor. And they've even got some historically meh defenders to defend a lot better. And they're looking fine defensively. But it turns out the coach wasn't the problem because they're 0-5. The problem was the Lakers traded away Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and lost Alex Crusoe in the ensuing salary crunch. And now they don't have enough talent around their two stars and so they're losing basketball games. They dealt with a issue, which is their players weren't invested in Darvin Ham any, or excuse me, in Frank Vogel anymore. But it didn't clear up the issue, which was upper management and ownership in their inability to set the basketball team up for success. It's a similar kind of thing going on with Brooklyn. Like, is Steve Nash the ideal coach for the Nets? I don't even know, because you can't even tell whether or not a coach's schematic approach is smart unless the players are competing. And this Nets team simply was not competing in the, on the glass or on the defensive end of the floor. There, the, the, that issue wasn't going to go away when they made that shift. You know, let's say, so for instance, Ime Udoka is the name that's been thrown out, and we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a minute. But Ime Udoka is famous for being a guy that uh, demands a lot of his players and brings a certain amount of toughness, right? That was what he did with the Boston Celtics last year. But at the end of the day, if he comes in and he asks them to do the same things that Steve Nash asked them to do, and they do it for Ime Udoka after not doing it for Steve Nash, then yeah, it's a smart move. But at the end of the day, it's on the players. It's not on the coach. At the end of the day, the, the, the core problems have to be solved. You know, um, like if, like for instance, Kyrie Irving has been it, it hasn't been in related uh, it, it hasn't been related to player availability this year. It hasn't been him up and leaving the team the way that he did in the past. But in this particular season, he's going with more off court drama. This time, this time, uh, tweeting out you know controversial movies, for instance, and getting into back and forth arguments with reporters after games. And it's one of those things where like, that's kind of what comes with the Kyrie experience. And that, that's what brings me back to Joe Psy at the end of all of this. If you guys remember this summer, I did a, um, I did a video. It was shortly after I got back from my Alaska trip where I was like, Hey, like, I think this is still headed towards a trade. I think it'll probably be Jalen Brown. It'll probably be the Celtics. I think this is headed towards a trade. And then the very next day, Kevin, it was reported, had recommitted to the team in the long run. And I was completely flabbergasted. I couldn't believe it. And the main reason why is I just didn't understand why Joe Sy, an owner of a basketball team, seeing what the KD and Kyrie experience had been like for three years, like the two of them, you know, like Kyrie choosing not to go to the bubble, KD may or may not have been ready to play at that point. He decided not to come back to the bubble. I think he was like, 14 months post Achilles surgery at that time, maybe 15 months, something along those lines. But they just decided not to play, which at the time in the in a vacuum, you were like, okay, I get it. Maybe they don't want to go to the bubble. 
but then you go into the next season and you know both guys miss a bunch of time with injury you come close but it doesn't work out the following season Kyrie Irving uh, is is dealing with the uh, uh, the vaccination thing. He uh, actually in the 2021 season, he straight up left the team twice without even telling Steve Nash. There were all these things that were going wrong and a whole lot of la- a lack of basketball success to make it all worth it. And so when we were looking at this summer and you could have flipped Kyrie Irving to the Lakers for two first round picks and you could have flipped Kevin Durant to the Boston Celtics for Jalen Brown, who, by the way, has looked amazing this year and more draft compensation. You And then maybe you could flip Ben Simmons. You had the opportunity to push that reset button and to put an eye towards the future, to um, to build a basketball team with a more likable identity, more of a, a team that competes. You know, I always talk about the difference between loving basketball and hating losing and how they manifest. Got teams that hate to lose, they compete physically on every single possession teams that love basketball, you know, they can have a lot of fun. They can have good offensive nights, but if you don't have that other piece, which is the hatred of losing, you're going to struggle to win basketball games. And after all of that, I just thought he'd hit that eject button. And when he decided to bring everybody back and say, Hey, let's go at this thing again. I was stunned. So then we come into this season and the Nets start by losing all these games and Kyrie Irving's bringing the drama. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, maybe now he'll do it. Maybe now this is the time where he'll finally hit that eject button, trade everybody, and rebuild. And that's where the Ime Udoka thing is so interesting to me. When Ime Udoka with, we, we don't even know what happened with him in Boston, which is a whole other wrinkle here. I was joking with my producers earlier today and uh and one of them said like hey like how how does this go down in the press conference like do you ask Ime what happened does he just say no comment does that lead to a whole bunch of other issues like it's a really awkward situation Josiah would rather do that to bring in the the guy that would allegedly fix this group and their toughness and their physicality he went that direction rather than blowing things up He would rather try to flex seal the bottom of his boat that has a giant hole in it rather than just get rid of the boat. The only thing in all of this that is worth salvaging is Kevin Durant. I wouldn't want to have anything to do with Kyrie Irving at this point unless you're desperate for talent, a team like the Lakers, who literally can't afford to turn away good basketball players. Or, you know, with Ben Simmons, obviously – his back has led him to have health issues over the course of this season. He hasn't looked quite what he what you would hope for from him defensively, especially in the last couple of games. So that's you know not necessarily something you want to build around. Nick Claxton is fine, right? Joe Harris has had a ton of health issues. There's nobody there that you're married to. And Kevin Durant's obviously still the franchise cornerstone that you want. But that particular franchise cornerstone is clearly unhappy and you're incapable of putting around him a real contender of a team. Yeah, they have a puncher's chance, but they don't have a real contending team. If you end up in a playoff series against Milwaukee, you're picking Milwaukee. If you end up in a playoff series against Boston, you're picking Boston in both of those matchups. So I just was truly, truly stunned that Josiah continues to head down this path. In bringing in Ime Udoka, with all the controversy surrounding him, tells me that you would rather have more headache to try to salvage this clearly unsalvageable situation than just take the obvious out here.
And if you do, you're going to immediately come back with a ton of assets and be set up to rebuild for the future. They had an out and they decided not to take it. And that was really, really confusing to me. As we look forward, if the Nets go on a run, it won't be because they brought in a different coach. It'll be because the guys in that locker room finally bought back in. It'll be because Kyrie Irving, you know, focused on what was happening on the basketball court. It'll be because Kevin Durant played like a two-way superstar. It'll be because the other players around them start competing in all of the effort, energy, and focus parts of the game. So, you know, it, I, I, in a vacuum, I don't have any issue with firing Steve Nash, just like I had no issue with firing Frank Vogel, just like I wouldn't have an issue if the Sixers fired Doc Rivers. But make no mistake, that's only one small step in the long journey that it takes to fix the problem that those two teams in particular. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's chill mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, so I wanted to talk about the Warriors uh, for a little bit. They lost the tough one there 
um, against Miami. That's their third consecutive loss, third in the last four days. All the Warriors starters were positive in this game, which lends to the, the whole thing that I got into in yesterday's show, for those of you guys who listened to that. You know, I talked a lot about James Wiseman in particular, and and we're going to talk about how his fit is still an issue, and I still believe that it is, but I think he's kind of becoming a scapegoat in a lot of ways for Golden State. And if you remember in yesterday's show, I talked about how I'm more concerned about the bench lineup as a whole. This lineup that they've been rolling out the last couple of games were Jordan Poole, Ty Jerome, Moses Moody, Jamichael Green, and James Wiseman. It's the totality of that lineup, in my opinion, that's causing them problems. The lack of good rotation level NBA players, playoff level rotation NBA players in their bench lineup that is giving them problems. And that is exactly what happened again tonight. And there was a really interesting kind of shift from Steve Kerr in the second half that I thought demonstrated this. So for instance, in yesterday's show, I said specifically that Stefan Draymond had only played 11 possessions with James Wiseman all season. So even though he's been a disaster, and he's been a huge net negative. I, I can't remember exactly what the numbers were from yesterday, but it was like 100-something minutes, and he was almost minus 50. So the Warriors are getting destroyed with Wiseman on the floor. But he had almost never played with Steph and Draymond. He had only amounted to 11 possessions so far this season with those two. And so I, was, I, I had been talking – actually, I was texting with a couple of different Warriors fans today, including someone who covers the team – talking about like, why don't they stagger it better? Why don't they try to have more overlap between the starting lineup and the bench lineup instead of doing it like line shifts, sending out this limited team that's obviously going to struggle. And, and, and Kerr tried that in the second half. So in the first half tonight, he ran James Wiseman with, uh, with Jordan Poole, Ty Jerome, Moses Moody, Jamichael Green. They got destroyed. But in the second half, they actually subbed Wiseman in early with about seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter, ran him with Steph and Draymond, and he had a good shift. There was a four-minute shift where he was plus two. He had a couple of buckets, including a really nice alley-oop on his first play. And then Wiseman checked out with three and a half minutes left in the third quarter, and Moody, or excuse me, uh, uh, Kevin Looney ran with the bench group. So it was that same group, Jordan Poole, Ty Jerome, Moses Moody, and uh, and Jamichael Green with Kevon Looney instead of James Wiseman, and they still struggled. They went minus five. And when Stephen Dre checked back in the game, it was only a three-point lead instead of an eight-point lead, which kind of lends credence to what I was talking about yesterday, which is, look, is Wiseman a bad fit? Yes, we talked about that yesterday. He's more of like a traditional rim-running big who can have some success in drop coverage, but he struggles with physicality. And specifically with the Warriors, you need bigs that can screen really, really well and that are really good at making reads because his vertical spacing is not as valuable in a Warrior system that the spacing is inverted. They don't need that spacing around the rim. It's already there in the form of the fact that there's nobody down there because they're running five-out sets and all of your uh, actions have Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson flying around on the perimeter, Wiseman's vertical spacing just isn't as valuable for this team. The fit issues with Wiseman are real. He's a young big in the NBA, and young bigs are just going to take a while to learn how to be really good, and right now he's not going to be a super functional piece with this team. That is true. But the larger issue with the Warriors right now is the rest of that lineup. That's Jordan Poole, a bad defender in this league. Ty Jerome, a below average defender in this league. Moses Moody, he might one day be a good defender in this league. But right now, 
they're putting him through the fire, having him guard the other team's quickest perimeter player every night, and he's struggling. And then Jamichael Green's been good. He's knocking down shots. He's battling on the glass. He's playing with physicality. There's a lot of good that he does, but he's not a quick player. He's not containing ball handlers. And so when you put four weak perimeter defenders and uh, and one non-defensive player of the year type of big with, this is not Anthony Davis you're putting out there. James Wiseman might one day be a great defensive big. He's not there yet. Kevon Looney is a solid defensive big, and he does well with the great Warriors lineups with great perimeter defenders, but he's not Anthony Davis. He's not going to clean up every single mess that the perimeter players make. And so I, I, I think in this case, like, yes, is the, do the Warriors have a Wiseman issue? Yeah, and that needs to be dealt with. But the larger issue is they don't have – they need, like, one or two more really solid NBA veteran role players that can come in off the bench and make those bench lineups more successful. Because, again, you got to think about the way it's going to work in the playoffs. Right now, Draymond Green's on a minute restriction. Right now, Clay Thompson's on a minute restriction. So there's going to be more overlap between the bench lineups and the starting lineup. You won't have as many minutes from guys like Ty Jerome, Jamichael Green, Moses Moody, so on and so forth. But you still need some minutes from players in those particular roles. And right now, those guys aren't good enough. And so having, again, I told you guys this last year, Gary Payton II, when he was on the floor in the playoffs, the Warriors were positive. When he was off the floor in the playoffs, the Warriors were negative. They've always needed those really good bench defensive players to come in, just like Andre Guadala did for all of those years. And I think we've, as we've zoomed out from this uh, championship run, it's become more apparent that guys like Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton II were really, really important. And part of the issue here is just young players and them generally taking a while to learn how to do this stuff. Every single one of you guys who's listening, who's a little bit older, if you play in men's leagues or if you play pickup games, you've all seen the games where you're playing against the 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who are super talented, but they don't really know how to win basketball games, and you beat them despite not having as much talent just because you've been playing for a lot longer and you just kind of are more familiar with how to do the little things that win games. Obviously, at the NBA level, it's a much more dramatic version of that because those guys have also been playing basketball for a very long time, but it's a similar concept. And 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, anything up, up to 25, those that age range of basketball players, they just don't quite have the understanding of how important the little things are. Whereas the veterans, the guys that are 25 to 35, they understand that their place in the league, particularly role players, they understand that their place in the league depends on their willingness to do those things. They've been on rosters where they didn't get minutes because they weren't good at those things. They've been on rosters where they got a huge role because they were great at those particular things. And so that's become their identity. The guys like Gary Payton II, he's only in the league because he's one of the best defensive guards. He was out of the league for a while. He clawed his way back into the league because he leaned heavily into those specific things. That's the, the, the gap in understanding between young players and older players, which is why it's why guys like LeBron have always wanted older veteran players on his roster, even sometimes to his own detriment. There's a, there's a reason why that type of player brings a lot of value. So what's the, 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 the way you look forward from here? Maybe Moses Moody figures it out in time. Maybe James Wiseman figures it out in time. 
but it's somewhat unlikely. It's somewhat unlikely that at their age in a huge playoff series against the Denver Nuggets or the LA Clippers or whoever it might be that they run into in the Western Conference, it's far more likely that those guys aren't ready. And 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 that's just going to be a bet that Joe Lacob's going to have to make. He's going to have to bet either on those guys making those improvements or looking at the reality of the situation, which is your starting lineup is still crushing everybody. Like literally crushing everybody. Before tonight's game, they were like 127 offensive rating and a 100 defensive rating. Tonight that got even better or was more or less the same level of dominance. But you're falling off a cliff when you go to your bench. So you can either bank on that improving over the course of the season or you can invest in this particular group. And it's going to be a tough decision. And I'm really curious to see which direction they start to go. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's talk about the Sixers for a minute. So they started one and four, but like I said, they had some fixable problems. If you remember, they were second in half court, def- uh, second in half court offense in that first five game stretch. I, I went over some metrics like Tyrese Maxey was having the highest scoring season of his career on the high and, and also on like 58% true shooting or whatever it was. And Tobias Harris was having his first year with the Sixers shooting over 40% from three. James Harden has had a lot of really good games. Joel Embiid has still been every bit as productive as he usually is. Everyone's great offensively, and the team is scoring really, really well. But they were getting destroyed on the defensive end of the floor, particularly in transition. They were the worst transition defense in the league by a mile. And specifically, one of the things that was causing those problems was Joel Embiid. And when he misses shots around the rim trying to draw a foul, he'll flop and flail and complain to the refs and not run back on defense, which for the record is a problem that the vast majority of scoring bigs in the league have, including Anthony Davis for the Lakers, who probably would be your early season defensive player of the year candidate if he didn't have so many bad transition defense uh, games mixed in at that point. And he might still be, but that's his big weakness. A lot of bigs, particularly ones that take a lot of shots around the rim, difficult shots, they, they struggle running up and down the floor. And it's been killing the Sixers. And there's a lot of metrics that kind of show that. So since the one and four start, they beat Toronto, they beat Chicago, beat Washington. Embiid missed two of those games. In that three-game span, according to Cleaning the Glass, the uh, Sixers were 12th in transition defense instead of 30th. As a result, in that game, uh, in that span, they've only given up 1058 points per 100 possessions, which ranks third in defense among every team over their last three games. Overall on this season, the Sixers are 29.1 points per 100 possessions better in transition defense with them beat off the floor, according to cleaning the glass. They're just quicker and they do better in that open floor game. It's not really all that complicated. If you have an amazing offense, which the Sixers do, and you also defend, you're going to win basketball games. Early in the season, they weren't defending, in large part in transition. In the last three games, they've been defending, especially well in transition compared to the way they usually do, and they're winning basketball games. They're getting great offensive production, right? Like Tyrese Maxey was great against Toronto. Um, Embiid himself was great against Chicago. James Harden had a 17-assist game against Washington the other night. But that's not the issue. The issue was never the offensive end of the floor. They just needed to clean up the details. And if you guys remember, I I did a whole thing on Doc Rivers. And again, like if the Sixers decide to, let's say that this three-game stretch is an anomaly and then they go back down and have a bunch of issues. I would understand moving on from Doc Rivers. He's not personally my favorite coach anyway as it pertains to just how stubborn he is and how slow he is to adjust in a playoff environment. 
But if the if the Sixers decide to move on from Doc, I would understand that and support that because this particular group, up until this three game stretch, wasn't really tuned in to what he's been asking them to do on the defensive end of the floor. So at the end of the day, though, like we talked about, same thing with Brooklyn, same thing with the Lakers. The reason why the Lakers are defending better under Darvin Ham is the players are defending better. They're just playing harder. Some of it's scheme, most of it is effort. The Nets aren't going to improve defensively until those guys start actually doing the work. And the same thing goes for the Sixers. They've done the work for three games and they've won three games as a result. At the end of the day, the players do have to do the work. You're just paying attention to whether or not those players are bought into their head coach. But a lot of basketball left. But the Sixers, look, winning cures everything. They were they lost a game to San Antonio the other night, or last weekend, I think. And it looked like the sky was falling. But then you go out and you win a couple basketball games, everything looks fine. If the Lakers are going to play the Pelicans at home tomorrow night. If they beat the Pelicans, and I don't feel great about it right now, but if they beat the Pelicans, you can take a deep breath and go, okay, we've figured some stuff out. We're the one of the best defenses in the league. Now we're winning games. Brooklyn, if you just play defense in the fourth quarter and you get a better shooting performance out of Kyrie Irving, you beat the Chicago Bulls tonight, you're on a two-game winning streak, things start to look better. There's all It's never too late to change the way you're playing, If you, especially these super talented teams. If you start playing well, you'll start winning games. But at the end of the day, the players are the ones that have to do the work. All right, that is all I have for tonight. The plan for tomorrow is we'll be doing a, uh, a show like this on AMP right after the Celtics-Cavaliers rematch, which I'm very excited for in the early slate. And then tomorrow night, Pelicans-Lakers will be going live on YouTube right after the final buzzer of that game. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and I will see you tomorrow. Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.